Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the rankings episode of the Football Tree Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here with uh, the rankings guru, uh, Walker Kelly. Walker, how's your day going? Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm the rankings guru. He's the, the rankings maestro. I'm trying to find a good a good name for you. I'm the rankings wizard. The rankings wizard. So, all right. So, um, if this they is your first... call me the fantasy pro. <laughs> We should register a website. If we're all fantasy pros, we should be some sort of fantasy pros website. Fantasy fantasy prosecom <laughs> <laughs> Really get the uh, the people that mistyped it. Um, or like fantasypros.net. Uh, fantasy so. pros with an E on the end. Dot com. <laughs> oh, it's for sale. Ooh. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, if this is your first episode of the podcast, welcome in. We're a three times a week podcast. Uh, one of the episodes is in the Patreon feed. Um, it's where we review the week's games and preview Thursday night football. Walker and I will do a little bit of that today as well uh, for Thursday night football. Um, but uh, mostly on today's podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to go over Walker's ranks for the week, which you can find on footballabsurdity.com. And then on Friday, we have our main episode, which is uh, kind of a week preview that has Mike Valverde of feels like he's written for everywhere you could write for. So um, that will also be on the main feed. So, uh, again, Tuesday, Patreon, that's patreon.com slash football absurdity. Three bucks a month gets you the review episode and then we get you two episodes a week um, in your uh, regular feed. So. Walker, let's go ahead. Let's get started because this one's supposed to be a shorter, a quick hit podcast. So uh, let's start with Thursday night football. So we got Green Bay and Arizona. And one thing really jumped off your ranks for me, and that's no DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I don't expect him to play. Um, okay. He was, he's injured. He did not practice uh, as of when I did the rankings on uh, Tuesday night. He didn't practice on Tuesday. Um. And that was the last practice day. Today would have been just a projected on a walkthrough. Um, so I I don't expect him to play, especially with Green Bay having both Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard out due to COVID contacts. Um, I would expect Arizona to feel comfortable with their receiving options outside of Hopkins and feel like they can afford to let Hopkins rest, give him the long week, get him healthy for the remainder of the season and not try to push it on a short week. Uh, pushing, pushing injuries on a short week is what dumb teams do. And so far the Cardinals haven't struck me as a dumb team. Okay. So let's say uh, he wakes up tomorrow and says, uh, you know, I feel great. I, I, my hamstrings all better. I talked to a genie last night. Where right. would you expect him to end up in your ranks against uh, the Green Bay secondary without um, Jair Alexander? Yeah, um, he'd probably go in the like low end wide receiver to one, high end wide receiver two range. So like I think I might I would have him somewhere between ten and twelve. Ten and twelve. Okay. And so um, it back in reality where, where um, you know, as of right now, we're not sure if DeAndre Hopkins is going to play. You've got three wide receivers in this game ranked, um, all of them outside the starting ranks. Uh, you got Christian Kirk at 39, 
Randall Cobb at 41 and Marquez Valdez-Scantling at 43. Because like you mentioned, no Devontae Adams in this game. He didn't even make the trip. And right. no um, Alan Lazard in this game because of the COVID context. So um, Christian Kirk at 39, is that uh, kind of in the same tier as like your 35, 36? Like you think you could start him? Is he a guy that you're probably going to get away from, Christian Kirk? Uh, you could start Christian Kirk. Um, it's just that with three, with it being the main three, uh, my and my projections being more Kirk and Green, mm-hmm. I would expect Kirk to probably get the most looks there. But um, Zach Ertz will also factor in. Chase Edmonds is healthier again, so he'll factor in. I really think the targets between those five guys are going to be pretty split evenly. And while Kirk has shown that he's the most consistent of those receivers, um, I'm not sure if any of the guys are going to have high enough target volume to be like super reliable. You got to play them type guys. Um, you, you can play them. I would say it's a pretty big tier there, honestly. I mean, it, the, my like wide receiver two type guys ends after uh, T Higgins at 26. And then, your flex slash wide receiver three types are from like Jarvis Landry down through uh, probably down through Kirk at 39. So like anybody okay. in that 13 player range, I think are all potential wide receiver threes. Um, I just put Kirk the lowest because I think his role varies a lot from week to week and he's been a bit touchdown dependent, but um, especially if Hopkins doesn't play, um, he's a guy that I don't have a problem with you putting in your lineup. Just make okay. sure you put him in your wide receiver slot, not your flex slot. Yes. The classic, uh, everybody on fantasy Twitter tweets on Thursday. Yeah. Um, so that tells me that even though we have no Devonte Adams, no Alan Lazard, you don't see Randall Cobb or MVS as guys you want to start. They're kind of like desperation plays or are they kind of sneaky plays? Uh, yeah, I would say more desperation plays because I just have no idea what this passing offense is going to look like without without those guys. I mean, I guess Cobb is probably the most reliable because he has. The better route runner than somebody like Valdez Scantling, but I mean, with Rodgers, you never really know. I mean, he could give Equinemius St. Brown nine targets. Yeah, I mean. Mar- Mercedes Lewis could catch two touchdowns. Like it's, it's going to be completely egalitarian without, uh, without Adams and Lazard. And I just don't know which one of those guys is going to come out as the leader. And so I would kind of avoid all of them. Like I'm still not going to play Tunyon. Arizona's a great defense against tight ends, and he has just not been that involved. I know he had a good week last week, but that's only his second good week out of seven. Um, and none of the receivers are are reliable enough because you just don't know which one of them is going to get the majority of the play. You know, I would guess I would have guessed Valdez Scantling, but this is going to be his first game back in a while. Um, Cobb is old and not nearly as effective as he used to be. Tunyon's not very good. St. Brown's not very good. I mean, I just don't know where the ball's going to go. And Arizona's defense has played very well this season. Yeah, it seems like the. 
the general idea is that any guy that you think is going to do well is just going to be a guess because I kind of agree with you. It could be a situation where five different guys have four targets, which is good for the Green Bay passing game, but it's bad for trying to find which guy's going to have fantasy value. It's going to be whichever guy falls ass backwards into a touchdown is going to be the most valuable guy. So you mentioned Bob Tunyon, uh, 16th in your ranks. Um, I saw a lot of people hyping Bob Tunyon. Uh, your quick reminder, he's not good at football. Um, he has an elevated chance at a touchdown, but that's it. So he sits, um, you know, ahead of Mo Ali Cox and Dan Arnold um, and behind Evan Ingram and Jared Cook to give you an idea of where he sits. Um, but uh, the, I think the big news uh, for people that's actionable for this wide receiver core is you have Aaron Rodgers as a sit behind two guy or as the, your number 13 and he's behind two guys that are actually rostered in fewer than 50% of leagues in Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz. I say this because both guys made my streamer list this week for, for quarterbacks. So um, is is this being cautious or is this you saying you should make an effort to stay away from Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I, I honestly don't think I would play Aaron Rodgers this week. Um, this is an offensive line that's banged up. Um, the running game hasn't been very effective as a result. Rodgers has not been throwing the ball as much this year. He doesn't really run anymore. The Packers offense the last few weeks hasn't been scoring points. Um, Rodgers is in the back end of QB1s right now. Um, and a guy who's a back end QB1 in a bad matchup without his two best receivers is not a guy I want to start. I mean, I know he's Aaron Rodgers, but... We got to look at the matchup isn't good. Um, they're on the road. The wide receiver core is bad. The offensive line is bad. The running game has been bad. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gung ho about playing Aaron Rodgers this week, you're you're ignoring every single thing about the situation and just saying, well, it's Aaron Rodgers. And while Rodgers is one of the few guys where that might work, um, I just if it was a guy who runs, then I'd be more comfortable. But Rodgers just doesn't run anymore. So I, I I can't justify playing him over a guy like Daniel Jones, who's going to run and has an outstanding matchup against Kansas City. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the Carson Wentz matchup is great. Uh, the Dan- I'm sorry, the Daniel Jones matchup is great. And the Carson Wentz one against Tennessee is a fairly good one, even though they, they shut down um, – uh, Patrick Mahomes last week that had more to do with uh, Tyree Kill having butterfingers than anything that uh, uh, Tennessee did specifically. So, um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, there's just not a lot of upside there. You look at this Cardinals defense, they've allowed one team over 20 yards or 20 points on the year. And that was Minnesota in week two. Since then, it's been 19, 20, 10, 14 and five. And that 20 was the Rams. So it's like, uh, fine. They smashed the Niners, Browns and Texans. That's, that's fine. But allowing only 20 points to the Rams on the road. Um, I just don't feel good about a team that's only allowing 16 points per game, uh, for my quarterback. So I mean, I don't have Aaron Rodgers anywhere. I was down on him, but I would definitely be looking at, uh, probably looking at Carson Wentz over Daniel Jones, which is how you have it ranked. So yeah. Um, very, very interesting. And I'm honestly, I might go Joe Burrow over Aaron Rodgers at, at the Jets. Uh, 
Yeah, honestly, the only reason I have Burrow below is because I don't necessarily think this is a game the Bengals are going to need to throw all game, especially mm-hmm. with Mike White starting. I feel like this is going to be out of reach by the fourth quarter, and so they're probably just going to pound the ball and get out of there. That's true. I was looking at it today. I cannot, I cannot get out of my head that the Jets allowed five touchdowns to running backs last week. So yeah. it's it's possible that both Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan have big games. And you're right. Then maybe Joe Burrow doesn't have one. I just I I I, I just feel really bad about Aaron Rodgers this week. Um, mm-hmm. K- Kyler Murray, not worth really talking about too much. If you have him, you're starting him. Um, you know, the only guy that you could conceivably have with Kyler Murray that's ranked above him is Jalen Hurts. So you have Jalen Hurts at Detroit. Um, so there's a there's like the only guy you could conceivably start over Kyler Murray. I mean, I have I have Hertz ranked two and Murray ranked three, um, but where Hertz was going in drafts, it's unlikely you have both of them uh, in a one QB league. And if you do, I would probably still if I if I had both of those guys, I would still start Murray just because he's the better football player. Um, I have Hertz at two just as essentially it's just a big reminder here. Like Jalen Hertz is for fantasy really good, even though he's not a particularly good real life quarterback. He runs a ton. And the matchup is outstanding. So um, you got to play Jalen Hurts this week. You know, must start for sure, unless he's your QB2 in a one-quarterback league and you've got one of the studs. Yeah. So, and I mean, even then, it's like you still have him ranked above Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. I would only start Allen, Murray, or Mahomes ahead of him. I wouldn't consider starting any other player over Jalen Hurts this week. Okay. Sounds good. Um, and I hope uh, my, my buddy is listening. He listened to this one last week. He said he, he liked it a lot. He said it was a lot like CBS's. So, uh, Joe, Joe, I hope you're listening because you keep wanting us to talk more about Jalen Hurts. <laughs> he made a specific request. He's like, hey, could you guys talk about Jalen Hurts more? So we got there you, you, boss. There you go, Joe Berg. Um, so before we move on to the running backs in this game, let's talk about uh, the other tight end. Um, we touched on Robert Tunyon, but you have Zach Ertz at 10, which is actually higher than I've seen a lot of people have him this week um, against the the Packers, um, obviously, since that's the game that we're talking about. Um, but I'm curious, um, what has you ranking him there? Is it kind of like a hedge? Is it a, I think he's going to score a touchdown? Is it like, what, what has you ranking Zach Ertz at 10? Well, part of it is that I don't think Hopkins is going to play. So I think that opens up some of that uh, over-the-middle type action for him. Hopkins is quite good at running those routes. Um, I, I think that Murray could look up the seam more. The Packers linebackers aren't good, so that can contribute as well. And, I mean, even their safeties, like Darnell Savage, isn't the coverage safety. So um, I think Ertz will be a reliable, solid option. I don't know if he'll score, but he should get five, six targets. He should catch most of them. Um, and with a couple of the guys who are on buys, you know, we have no Waller this week or Moreau if he were to be playing. Um, we have no Mark Andrews this week. So um, I think Ertz is a pretty easy top 12 guy for sure. I yeah. mean, you look at the guys behind him and it's like a bunch of guys who are, you know, streaming guys or injury replacements. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily bullish on Zach Ertz this week, but I definitely think like he's a solid enough option. Okay, sounds good. He's got an upper blob on yeah. him right now. And and also, don't forget, uh, he's not the name that Waller and Mark Andrews is, but we are also without Dawson Knox with his hand injury. So right. that's another guy that's been top 10, top 12 this year that has, um, you know, 
that you're going to be without. So, um, sorry, I got distracted by the World Series. Um, Houston is winning. Um, so let's talk about the running backs in this game. So there's four running backs in this game, and you honestly, it looks like you're saying you can start three of them with A.J. Mm-hmm. Dillon as the odd man out. Um, does Aaron Jones's low volume on Sunday concern you at all? You have him ranked at 12th. Not really. Um, Washington clearly came out with a defensive game plan of we are not going to let you run on us. Um, they were stacking the box and bringing a lot of pressure, forcing essentially they forced Green Bay to go into a short passing offense, mm-hmm. which Green Bay decided that they were just going to happily accept and continue to throw a bunch of short passes. Um, Jones still got some work in the passing game. Obviously, Devontae Adams was heavily involved. Even Robert Tunyon got involved because they were just throwing a ton of short passes the whole game. Alan Lazard at six for 50 and a touchdown. I mean, this was this was what they did. I mean, that's what Washington gave them. And so the Packers decided, okay, we're going to just do that and beat you anyway. Um, Jones isn't a guy who's going to get quite the volume that we were thinking at the start of the season. Green Bay has been throwing a little bit more often than they did last year. Um, but I think that with his talent – um, and especially in a game where Devontae Adams isn't playing, Jones is going to at least be involved enough in the receiving game that he's going to have a pretty high floor in this one. Um, so while I have him at 12, which isn't necessarily as high as we were thinking coming into the season, you know, I, I was quite bullish on Jones. Um, I still think he's definitely a guy you should be starting. Okay, sounds good. And then you've got uh, Chase Edmonds and James Conner at 23 and 26. Uh, Chase Edmonds, I mean, I've been doing the, the little victory lap uh, over the recent weeks, but it, let's be clear here. It's because Chase Edmonds has been banged up and James Conner has been scoring touchdowns. That's why he's been scoring more fantasy points. But um, yeah, I have, I honestly, Chase Edmonds at 23, James Conner at 26. I think that's around where I had them ranked in preseason. So um, thumbs up, I guess, from me for those ranks. <laughs> um, and then uh, AJ Dillon, 41. Um, I'm kind of, I have to start AJ Dillon in Scott Fishbowl out of desperation, but in most leagues, I would say do not start AJ Dillon on the short week against a pretty stout Arizona, um, defense that, uh, allows the fifth most fans, fifth fewest fantasy points to running backs on the year. Right. Yeah. I just don't think that there's going to be room for two green Bay running backs to be successful in this game. And uh, Dylan is clearly the the second fiddle there. Um, he can be mm-hmm. he can be effective in the right matchups. This is not the right matchup for AJ Dylan. Okay, sounds good. So let's talk. Uh, that's enough about Thursday night football. Let's talk about the overall ranks here. Um, so again, uh, you can find Walker's top twenty five uh, at tight end and quarterback, and his top fifty at running back and wide receiver at FootballAbsurdity.com. There's uh, weekly ranks up at the top. Um, I'll start off you know, with uh, quarterbacks like we always do. And then the same question, who was the hardest guy for you to rank this week? Hardest guy for me to rank. Let's see here. Mm. Um, hmm. Can I take a guess at Ryan Tannehill? Because he's in a great matchup, but has not been uh, scoring fantasy points. Tannehill a little bit. Um, I was gonna go with Dak Prescott. Okay. Um, I not that I necessarily had a hugely wide range for him, but 
I just couldn't figure out kind of where to to land on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I waffled between Cousins and Prescott. I thought about putting Tannehill above them. I thought about putting Herbert above them. I just the the Minnesota's defense has been playing a lot better lately, but how much of that is because it's a good defense, and how much of it is because the competition level has been very low? Um, you know, they, they played a, a Browns defense or Browns offense that wasn't operating on a high level. They played Lions. You know, th- this is it's not like they've been really tested much lately. Um, I believe they played the Panthers too. Yeah, but the Panthers dropped twenty eight on them, which isn't exactly a yeah, but it was it wasn't a Sam Darnold thing because yeah. they they were good against Darnold. They were just bad in general. Like they they just they gave up big plays. Like mm-hmm. overall, they were mostly all right. But um, then I thought about it and I was like, you know, on paper it doesn't seem like a great matchup, but Prescott is the exact type of quarterback that gives them issues. You know, he manipulates the defense at the line of scrimmage with his eyes, with his pre-snap calls. He's great at throwing downfield. They have a lot of options to throw downfield, especially if Michael Gallup is healthy enough to play this week. Um, I wouldn't start in fantasy, but Gallup's a good real-life player. Um, And I just trust Prescott more as a player than I trust Kirk Cousins. So that's why I have Prescott just ahead of Cousins. But I realize that when I look at this game, both teams coming off a bye, I would expect the offensive schemes to be in place pretty solid. Everybody's going to be healthy. As, or as healthy as they can get at this point in the season, I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. And so I determined that I guess both of those guys are are players I would recommend starting, but I just trust Prescott a little bit more. Okay. Um, and then who was, I guess, the most surprising uh, rank for you? I keep coming back to Carson Wentz at 11. Um, my process this week led me to pretty much the same results. And it was shocking to me because – I thought he's been a lot worse than he has been. Yeah, Wentz has been surprisingly good. Like, he, yeah. he's really not played poorly this season. Um, I was surprised when I started to look at more of the numbers, too. I mean, he hasn't been turned the ball over much. Um, he's been a little bit more conservative, which is understandable due to the lack of weapons he's got. I mean, Pittman's been playing well, so that's been good. He, he clearly trusts being able to go downfield to Pittman. Um, but other than that, I mean, he doesn't have a tight end that he can really attack the seam with. Um, he doesn't have any other receivers that can go down the field consistently, especially with Campbell's injury issues. You know, Zach Pascal's a possession receiver. T.Y. Hilton is old. It's, it's a limited offense, but Wentz has been, it's almost been good for Wentz that it's a limited offense because it's kind of forced him to kind of reel it in and be smarter with the ball. Mm-hmm. and he has been. Um, he's running a little bit more now. He looks pretty comfortable on his legs, at least. Um, you know, he's never going to be the athlete he used to be before his knee injury, but he looks more comfortable running, taking hits than he did last season. Um, with the offensive line getting healthier, um, Eric Fisher and Quentin Nelson combining on the left side has been big for them, both in the running game and for Wentz's confidence. Um and Indy just looks like a pretty good football team right now. I mean, they're three and four, but they had a really tough schedule to start the season. They were getting used to a lot of different things. Um, Frank Reich was choosing to not use Jonathan Taylor as much as he should, which he's getting out of now. Um, things seem to be gelling with that team right now. Um, I, I, it's not who I would want to play, 
and the Tennessee matchup. I mean, even after they shut down Kansas City, they're still a bottom 10 defense against fantasy quarterbacks. So I would expect Wentz to definitely be a streamable guy this week. Yeah, and a couple things, too. Um, We kind of forget that he sprained both of his ankles. Uh, yeah. Before his before his one bad game this year, which was week three at Tennessee. So I gave him a pass for that. But he only has one pick this year and he's only getting sacked like two times per game, which is pretty. I mean, it's not the best, but it's much better than what he was dealing with in Philly. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think he is kind of uh, uh, reeling it in and getting more focused. And by getting more focused, he's getting the ball out faster. And by getting the ball out faster, he's not getting sacked so much. And the offensive line certainly helps. So, yeah, my process led me to Carson Wentz this week, too. And it was one of those like, huh, when I looked at the numbers, I was like, I thought he was a lot worse than this. So, um, yeah, I, I co-signed this Carson Wentz rank. So, uh, let's talk uh, running backs now, and um, same 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 two questions I'm going to ask you. Uh, the most difficult guy for you to rank, and I want to take a guess um, on this one. Let me see. Um, Michael Carter at 24? Was that difficult? Um, my toughest guy to rank was, let's see. I had quite a few, honestly, uh, in in this in this range. I'm gonna it's, say it's a I'm weird gonna, week because we have so many new running backs and running backs coming back from injury. So, right, I'm gonna say it was uh, Devonte Booker. Okay, so Devonte Booker, who you have at 17, uh, playing the Chiefs this week. Right, uh, Booker is just he's not exciting whatsoever. I mean, he's just a very He's workmanlike, you know, he's not bad when he's out there, but he's not really good either. He's just like the most baseline replacement level running back in the league. Um, but for fantasy, since he, you know, when when he's the starter there, when Barkley's hurt, he's he's been pretty good. You know, he's been a solidly productive RB2. And, you know, it's tough for me to rank him ahead of guys like, who are better football players than he is, like Elijah Mitchell, like uh, Antonio Gibson, like Chase Edmonds, like Melvin Gordon. But he's got a more consistent role. He's catching passes. He's really the only guy that's getting carries. I mean, Gary Brightwell is running as the backup right now. He's getting, like, hardly any play at all. Um, They've they've been funneling all of their running back touches through Booker and – that leads to a, a you know a, a mid tier RB two rank. You know it's it's a good matchup. It's a, you know he's a fine player, and he's been producing for fantasy pretty well. So you know if he, he I see no reason why he won't continue to get that you know twelve thirteen carries, four or five targets, and you know that's that's a productive role for fantasy. He doesn't even really have to be good at football to put up. RB2 numbers when you're getting that type of consistent role. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of names on here I wouldn't expect to see. So I'm not surprised it's Devontae Booker. You know, I thought maybe Daryl Williams was, that was going to be my second guess, but it feels a lot mm-hmm. the same, uh, you know, thoughts on him. So, um, I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to try to see uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. You have them back to back at 28 and 29 um, going up against Washington, who has been bad on defense, but they've been good against running backs. I'm curious 
Um, you have them both outside the starting ranks this week. You would start like James, or you would start James Connor, Kenny Gainwell, and Zach Moss ahead of them. I'm curious. Um, is that the split? Is it the the uh, the matchup? Like, what has you at 28 and 29? Because these are guys I've been starting every week, and now I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, it's both, really. I mean, this is a game where Washington's weakness is in the passing game. And Jerry Judy should be back this week. So we'll have, you know, Bridgewater will have his full assortment of weapons. Sutton, Judy, Patrick, and Fant are all going to be in there. Um, and I feel like they're going to be effective throwing the ball. Washington has shown that their priority on defense is going to be stopping the run. They, I think that they've kind of realized that that's kind of the only thing they're good at right now. And so they're really putting all their effort into that. And they're like, well, teams aren't going to beat us both ways. You know, we're going to, sh- we're at least going to shut down one element of the offense and force teams to throw the ball. And, uh, I just don't, you know, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have both played well a lot of the time this year. Um, but I don't see either of them right now as the game changing type of talent. That's going to be able to break through a Washington front. That is very intent on stopping them. I mean, Aaron Jones couldn't get through it last week. They, uh, on a per touch basis, Washington was pretty good, you know, in, in the previous weeks against running backs as well. So I, I just don't see a big breakout game from either of these guys. Can you play them as flex guys? Sure, because they're both probably going to touch the ball enough that they won't be complete zeros. But, um, you know, I, I the only way either of these guys are going to score touchdowns is most likely if they, you know, get a goal line carry and fall in the end zone. Uh, neither of them are, you know, Williams caught more passes last week, which is encouraging, which is why I have him a lot closer to Gordon this week than in previous weeks. I've had them a bit separated. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't see a big game coming through either of these guys. Um, if you've got them, I have no issue with playing them, but I would just say, if you have other options, there that might be a good idea to look at other options. Okay. And so uh, last question I'm going to ask you about running backs, because you put these up on Tuesday um, and then you update them on Thursday. Uh, where is David Johnson, who, because of the Mark Ingram trade, where is he going to end up? He's currently 34 behind Miles Gaskin, Boskin Scott, and Tony Pollard. So I'm curious where this bumps David Johnson, because... Mark Ingram, I mean, he hasn't been effective, but he's been touching the ball a lot this year. 14 touches per game for Mark Ingram just went up in smoke. So I'm curious uh, how you see that shaking out for uh, David Johnson. Uh, yeah, I would expect Philip Lindsay to take a lot of those touches now. Okay. Um, but Johnson's role should increase a little bit, and he might be the preferred guy at the goal line now. They don't get there very often, but when they do. So I would probably rank him... I wouldn't rank him above the Broncos players, but I think I would rank him ahead of Alex Collins. So he'd be 30. He'd go from 34 to 30. Okay. All right. So, uh, I mean, into a range where you're thinking about him for, for flex yeah, uh, consideration. I, I, think, I think Johnson goes from uh, desperation by week fill-in to weekly flex consideration. Okay. Question for you. So if you have, say, for example, you have Salvin Ahmed. Uh-huh. And David Johnson is on the waivers, and you have $74 of your fab left. How much would you bid to get David Johnson? Just a uh, thought experiment. It, uh, if this is in the fan, the football absurdity league, I will decline to answer. No, it's not. 
Uh, how much would I spend on it? Um, I mean, he's a flexible guy, so and you've got seventy four bucks at this point in the season. Yeah. I don't know, twenty five dollars. Okay, sounds Something good. Something like that, twenty twenty five. All right, I will bid. X amount of dollars to just realize one of the guys in the league listens to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I gave him a shout out earlier. Oh, no. All right, Joe Berg, don't listen to the last uh, 30 seconds. Um, All right. Um, So let's go to wide receiver here. You have. Actually, can I give one? uh, I, I would like to give one sneaky guy at each position that you can maybe throw in if you're desperate. Oh, sure. Let's go back to quarterback and then you can do running back. Okay, my quarterback is uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. It's At gross, yeah. but uh, Cleveland has not been good against opposing quarterbacks. Uh, Roethlisberger hasn't been turning the ball over lately. Um, the offense has kind of been streamlined to Johnson and Claypool and Harris. It's in two quarterback leagues, I definitely think Roethlisberger is playable. And if you're desperate in a one-quarterback league, he's not going to kill you this week. Um, in terms of the running backs, uh, a desperation play that I kind of like is Samaj Piering. Hey! Uh, the, the Jets are horrendous against running backs, the worst in the league. Um, Piering is a pretty pass-catching running back right now, which is not something I expected to say ever, but um, he's been doing well with it. He gets some goal-line touches. This is a game where I expect Cincinnati to be salting the game away late, and they're probably going to want to do that with their less important backup running back. Um, I think P. Ryan's got a decent floor and a pretty good ceiling this week. Like it, I have him at 38 because he's a backup, but um, it wouldn't shock me if he finished with a top 24 week. All right, so this is what I wrote about Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, where did he go? Um, uh, let's see. He Samaj P. Ryan came off the COVID IR last week and went straight to work, notching 77 yards on 12 touches uh, after getting 83 yards on 15 touches the week before going on the COVID IR. This week they get the Jets, who allow 39.7 fantasy points per game to running backs. They allowed five touchdowns last week to the uh patriots i'm starting to paraphrase joe mixon should have a good game as should samaj p ride they will use him to salt the game away when they're up by several scores he should he's a one-week plug-and-play you should get about 15 touches so same thought process there yeah absolutely yep so uh i also think i i agree with the samaj p ryan sneaky start i'm starting him in a couple places this week uh where uh running backs have just just Taken me out by the kneecap. So, um, okay. Uh, let's get into wide receivers. And uh, while we're talking about it, who's your sneaky guy at wide receiver? Sneaky wide receiver start. Hmm. Uh, give me Byron Pringle. All right. That's very sneaky. So, your number 50 uh, yeah. wide receiver. People might not even know what team he's on. The Chiefs? Yeah, he's on the Chiefs. Um. <laughs> Pringle has been sneakily being used a lot more in this offense. I think he's got 15 targets over the last three weeks. Um, he is slowly taking Nicole Hardman's role. And this is a game that the Chiefs are going to have to attack through the air. I mean, the Giants, they're, they're not going to be able to run. The Giants are actually decent against the run, um, but they're not very good against the pass. 
Um, it's definitely definitely seems like a get right game Monday night. Um, you know, the Chiefs offense has been very good against the bad teams still this year. Most of their offensive struggles have been um, a lot of bad luck. Honestly, they've had really awful turnover luck so far this season. A lot of tipped ball interceptions. Mahomes trying to do too much when the defense gets them into a hole quickly. Um, this isn't a game where I expect the defense to get them into a hole. Um, the Giants are fine, but they're not explosive on offense at all. So um, I just think this is a game where you know Pringle's involvement has kind of been steady, and this is a, an opponent where if he gets those same five, six targets, there's a solid chance he scores a touchdown or breaks a long catch. You know, I could easily see four for 80 and a touchdown for Pringle. So um, DFS or, you know, your 14, 16 team leagues um, definitely think that Pringle is a guy you should be considering as, as a a flyer this week. Okay. Sounds good. And so um, going back to the top here, you have Cooper cup, which makes a lot of sense. That's a guy who should be number one um, till he proves otherwise. But um, Debo Samuel moving up a spot. Uh, he was number three last week and up to number two. But um, I guess my real question, I'm looking at the top 12 here, is Adam Thielen at 12. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a little confused by that. Is it high chance of touchdown, high chance of multiple touchdowns? Because the Dallas defense has been, I mean, at least narratively better than we thought. So I'm curious what you what has you putting two um, Minnesota wide receivers in your top 12? Uh, Dallas's defense has been better than we expected, but that's because we expected them to be one of the worst defenses. In the <laughs> that's true. And they've been merely below average. Um, they're still one of the worst defenses against receivers for giving up fantasy points. Um, if you're playing Yahoo ESPN sleeper, this is going to be that green matchup. That is like a ding, ding, ding. This is, this, this is good to play these guys. Um, it's a game they're going to have to score to keep up because Dallas is going to score on them. Um, and Kirk Cousins seem to have like a, like a makeup game with Thielen last week. Um, mm-hmm. I think he had 13 targets, 11 catches, two touchdowns. Um, you know, Thielen's still a pretty big part of this offense. Justin Jefferson's clearly the best, the best receiver. Um, but, Thielen has a big role. There's a good chance he scores a touchdown. Um, yeah, definitely think I, I would say if you have Thielen, you've got to play him this week. All right. And then um, you have Calvin Ridley at 18, which is certainly a fall from grace against Carolina. Um, but you also have Keenan Allen at 17, which seems a little bit low. So I'm curious because Keenan Allen's been doing like, back-end wide receiver one things, and he's barely above Calvin Ridley for you, who's kind of struggled this year. Is the narrative on Calvin Ridley that he's been so disappointing that we think that he's worse than he is, or do you think this is kind of a bounce-back game for Calvin Ridley? Uh, I just don't think Ridley is in a position where he's going to be very successful. Um, He doesn't have a guy across from him that's really um, taking away coverage, because while Kyle Pitts is outstanding, they don't really use him as a you know, they, they split him out wide, but they use him as like a big slot or deep threat going over the middle, that sort of thing. He's not he's not being used as just like a split end like Ridley is. Um, 
Ridley's kind of off on an island a lot in this offense. He's being asked to play that A.J. Brown type role in the Arthur Smith scheme, and it doesn't look like he's a fit for it. Um, he's not the big physical run-after-the-catch type receiver. He's an intricate mm-hmm. route runner who gets open in the intermediate game, and you know he has good hands, good timing. He's twitchy, but he's not a big, strong dude, and they're using him as if he is. You know, he's not catching a high percentage of his targets. Uh, he's not getting into the end zone as often. It's just that right now they're just not using him correctly. And Carolina has been pretty good against opposing receivers this season. So it's just, you know, it's not a great matchup. And Ridley is struggling. The offense around him is not doing him any favors. I just, you know, if you've got Ridley, you're almost assuredly playing him. But... Right now, you just gotta, you kind of gotta hope that Atlanta. Okay. Um. All right. So the same same two questions have been asked about every every uh, every position. Um. Who is who is the toughest guy for you to rank, and who is the guy who ended up surprising you the most in your ranks? Toughest guy for me to rank was uh, Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Sixteen. He's, yeah, he's lower than I want him to be, but it's just it's not a good matchup. Heineke's been bad. Um, I, like I said, it's just McLaurin has looked really good, but it's just been intermittent whether he can get the ball or not. Um, against the teams that don't have a true number one corner that can make things difficult for McLaurin at least, um, he's been eating them alive because Heineke has had a wide open McLaurin to throw to. Um, but against teams that can cover more successfully, he's been not very good with Heineke because Heineke can't throw him open. He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the anticipation to do so. And so if, if uh, McLaurin isn't able to consistently get wide open, he is not going to have huge games with Heineke at quarterback. Um the Broncos have struggled lately, but what they do have is a good back end. Um, Patrick Sertan has played well in his rookie season. Ronald Darby has had a career renaissance in Denver. Bryce Callahan is a good player. Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons are one of the best, if not the best, safety duo in the league. This is not going to be a game where McLaurin can consistently just get wide open, get free releases, that sort of thing. So, I, I again, he's a guy where if you have him, you're playing him, but... I would expect more of a workmanlike performance out of McLaurin and not kind of that big blow-up game that we see when he's able to get those free releases, get wide open. Okay, and then which player uh, most surprised you? Uh, Most surprising? Uh, Michael Pittman at 23. Uh, I was looking at Pittman and Manny Sanders at 23-24, thinking it was going to be one of those two. Yeah, Pittman has... uh, I wasn't very high in him coming into the season. I, I I just I didn't think he had what it took to be a true number one receiver. And I suppose I'm not sure he still does, but um, he's their number one receiver, and right now he's producing, doing it. I mean, it's he's the guy that Wentz looks for down the field. He's the guy that Wentz looks for in the red zone. Um, you know, he's been a little inconsistent here and there, but he certainly played better this year than he did last year. He's shown improvement. Um, and he's getting a consistent, really high target volume. I mean, he's, I think, at nine targets a game right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's 
while I don't think he's necessarily the player that a lot of the guys in front of him are, um, that volume is very difficult to ignore right now. And, you know, he's a better player as a number one receiver than somebody like a Corey Davis. And he's in a better passing offense than somebody like Devontae Smith or Sterling Shepard or Jarvis Landry, you know. So, um, you know, league average passing offense decent to good type talent, high target volume that gets you some solid wide receiver two slash high end wide receiver three production. And it's a pretty good matchup. So um, yeah, I I couldn't keep him out of the top 24, even though it seems kind of weird to have Michael Pittman as a top 24 guy. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's given his production this year, it's surprisingly not that weird. He's 26th on the year and per game. Um, if you want to be sneaky and just say total points because he's played more games than a lot of people, he's 19. Right. Uh, <laughs> if you want to do the Joe Mixon is RB11 move there, uh, yeah. just ignore everybody that's had buys. So, um, yeah, I was I was narrowing in on I thought it was either going to be Pittman or Sanders because those uh, are your last two wide receiver two guys. And um, so, yeah, I was glad I was somewhat right on it. So let's go on to tight ends and then we will get the folks out of here. So. Um, you've got no surprise here at one Travis Kelsey two Kyle Pitts makes some sense, um, given who we're missing this week, but three TJ Hawkinson, that's a, a vote of confidence in a guy that's been kind of inconsistent this year. So I'm curious, uh, if you want to talk about Hawk a little bit at three. Uh, yeah, it, um, so Hawk had a pretty decent game last week, despite the fact that he was shadowed by Jalen Ramsey all game. Um, that's about as tough of an assignment as you can get as a tight end. You know, Ramsey is a big, physical, athletic player who has the ability to successfully cover tight ends. And Hawkinson was consistently getting open. Most of it was in a short game. Um, that's a lot of what the Lions are doing right now because of their quarterback. But uh, he was able to get open. And the times where he did have a free release, uh, Goff showed that he actually was willing to throw down the field if Hawkinson was open. Now, it's all dependent on the receiver being wide open because Hawkins or uh, Goff, excuse me, doesn't show the anticipation or the confidence in himself to throw those tough deep balls. Um, But Philly isn't the team that's going to cover close really well. Their linebacker play is abysmal. I mean, their best linebacker right now might be Alex Singleton, and he's terrible. Uh, It's it's just not good for them up the middle right now. they can't put any of their corners on him. You know, they can't, you know, Darius Slay isn't going to be able to match up with Hawkinson physically. Avante Maddox isn't going to be able to match up with him physically. Um, then you're looking at safeties. I mean, Marcus Epps can't match up with him athletically. Linebackers can't. Um, I just think he's a big mismatch this week. He's going to be open a lot. He's still the best pass catcher on the team. And this is a game where I expect the Lions to be very competitive. I mean, they could certainly win. So um, Hawkinson should be very involved all game. Uh, and, yeah, I, I expect him to have uh, to have quite a solid week, and he has a much higher floor than a lot of the guys uh, behind him. All right, and then I mean, honestly, in your top ten, there's not a lot of surprises. Um, Fant five, Gasicki six, Henry seven. These all kind of make sense. Um, Tyler Higby at nine. I mean, that Houston matchup. Even if you don't believe in Tyler Higby, like I don't. Yeah, but that Houston matchup has been too juicy to pass up this year. Yep. Um, but RSJ at, ten, at 11, Ricky Seals-Jones, and then CJ Uzoma at 12. Those are guys that have kind of popped up recently. Um, is this, hey, maybe they'll keep it going? Or is like, for example, with CJ Uzoma, do you think this is a role that we might be able to trust going forward? Or is it like this guy scored five 
touchdowns in four games. We got to keep going while it's while the iron's hot. Uh, this might be the last week we can do this with CJ Uzoma. Okay. Um, it's an outstanding matchup, and uh, he's absolutely streamable this week, but the Duke does not get enough targets consistently to be a top 12 tight end for the whole season. Um, it's fun while it lasts, and it should continue this week. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he has another big game. But, um, yeah, I would, I would ride it this week and then trade him because you can probably actually get value in a trade for CJ Uzoma right now, which is insane to say, but somebody will probably, somebody who's desperate for a tight end, maybe the George Kittle owner uh, could possibly be desperate enough to trade you a flexible player for a, you know, flex worthy guy for CJ Uzoma. Wow. And that's ridiculous to think, but it could happen. You know, you could get like, like you could flip CJ Uzoma probably for like JD McKissick. Oh, easy. Yeah. Yeah. And McKissick is so much more useful rest of season. So um, that's the deal on Uzoma. With Seals Jones, I have a little bit more confidence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seals Jones has looked good since he came back in and uh, since he came in for Logan Thomas. And he's getting a good solid target share. You know, it's not with Uzoma where he had one game where he got a bunch of targets and then the rest of it's just been weird touchdowns. Um, Seals Jones is getting six targets a game. He. Uh, he, he's solidly involved. It's a game where the Washington receivers are going to be the focal point. They're probably not going to be able to get open super consistently. This wouldn't surprise me if Seals Jones had something like six for 45. Um, and then if he scores, he's a top five tight end. And if he doesn't, he's probably still a top 10 guy. Yeah. So uh, I couldn't necessarily put him ahead of any of the guys that are in the top 10 because the matchup's not great statistically. And he's, you know, he's a fill-in type guy. He's not, you know, a great talent or anything, but he's good enough, athletic enough, and he's getting a, a more consistent target share than most of the guys behind him, and he's performed fairly well with it. Okay, yeah, I, I'm believing in Ricky Seals-Jones as long as Logan Thomas is out. I mean, they just basically copied and pasted the Logan Thomas role onto Ricky Seals-Jones, and he's doing fine with it. So, yeah, um, yeah I have no problem with the RSJ rank. Um you got Conklin at 13, Cook at 14, Ingram at 15. I had a lot. I had some trouble with Evan Ingram this week. Um, he's getting a lot of targets. Um, a lot of guys we got a report today probably not going to play. Uh, Casey is terrible against tight ends, but it's still it's Evan Ingram. <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a tough one. I am streaming Evan Ingram in my home league this week. Um, but yeah, it it's it's it feels bad. Yeah, um, doesn't feel good. I yeah, I I wrote about him. I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, he's not good at football. But um, yeah, I mean, it's Kenny Galladay's probably not going to play. Um, Darius Slayton might not play. Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony, if they play, are not going to be at, at full strength. Saquon's probably not playing again. So yeah, it, I mean, Engram's probably going. I mean, he's gotten at least five targets in every game he's played in this year. So. Um, even if he got five targets in a horrible, you know, against a horrible Kansas City defense against tight ends, about the worst you could reasonably expect would be like three for 30. And that's still better than you're going to get out of a lot of fringe tight ends. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he plays badly, he's going to get you six or seven points. And if he plays, if he surprisingly plays well, then, you know, he could have a huge week against a, you know, if he gets eight targets like he did last week, he could easily have like, 
six for 60 and a touchdown. And then you're looking at, you know, the same thing as Foster Moreau had last week. And he was like, what, tied in four on the week or something. So, yeah. Uh, Angram is definitely the highest ceiling of the uh, streamable tight ends. And I think the floor is, you know, pretty high too, considering the, the target volume. You know, I'd rather play him over Tunyon. I'd rather play him over Dan Arnold, Johnny Smith, that sort of thing. Okay. And uh, I just, I don't have any more questions about the, the tight end ranking specifically. I want to thank you for being the only rational actor I've seen about Pat Fryermuth. Everybody keeps trying to jam him into their like top 15, top 16. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Like he hasn't done anything yet. And people just are trying to will that into existence. So um, I would just like to thank you for that. Um, despite the seven targets last week. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and um, then, so uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say uh, the hardest and most surprising. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Hardest, right. most surprising, and sneaky. Yeah. Uh, hardest to rank, I would say, was uh, was Higby um, because I don't like him. I don't think he's a good football player. He doesn't have a particularly consistent role. But Houston is so horrible against tight ends, and Matthew Stafford is going to throw it to who's open, mm-hmm. and Higby's going to get open. I mean – he was all right last week against the Lions and this even better matchup. So, yeah, Higby is he's definitely your best streaming option this week. And really good bye week fill in. Like if you want to if you're pivoting off of Waller or Andrews or Dawson Knox, he's he's an ideal play this week that way. Um, most surprising. Um, I would say just. Because it's been so quiet, Noah Fant at five. Um, yeah, he's been he's been really not talked about much this season, which is weird because he had a lot of he's had a lot of hype through his career, and he's always been a little bit disappointing. You know, a lot of people thought he was a better prospect than Hawkinson, and he's been kind of overshadowed by Hawkinson coming out of the same school, both being drafted in the first round in the same year. Um, but this season, Fant has been has had a very steady, consistent role. He has caught most of his targets. He's looked good on the field. Um, you know, I think he's tight end seven on the season right now. And uh, he's just, he's solid, you know, and tight end seven on the season. You would expect tight end seven every week. And then the two guys ahead of him who are out, you know, uh, Andrews and Waller, there you go. There's tight end five. Um, you know, if you've got fan, you're, you're loving life right now. He's a really solid mid-tier tight end one. Um, he's outside the blob now which is more than what I expected this season. You know, he's exceeded my expectations and I don't, and I succeeded a lot of people's expectations. And I don't think that's been talked about as much as, as, as it should be. Yeah. It's weird. People kind of like their eyes just kind of glaze over Noah Fant. I think because he's not one of the stories, you know, we didn't argue about Kyle Pitts or Noah Fant or Kyle Pitts or, or TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant this year. And he's not like a big come up out of nowhere, like a Dalton Schultz or Dawson Knox. So he's just kind of getting just like overlooked. Like everybody had yeah, between but, five and eight and he's, that's kind right. of where he's been. Right. But the thing is like, I mean, a lot of people had Hunter Henry around 10 or 11. He's getting talked about, even though he's barely ahead of that, you know, Mike Kosicki yeah. has been slightly better than we thought. And he's getting a ton of press right now. And Noah Fant, it's like, you know, he was tight end seven or tight end eight for basically every reputable person coming into the season. He's mm-hmm. been that good or better. And no one's discussing the fact, like, I, I firmly believe this guy's no longer in the block. 
I think he's oh, better okay. than that. You know, I, I think that going into next season, I would expect to rank Noah Fant no lower than seven, and I will have him, you know, at least in my, like, you know, at, at worst my third tier if I still have Kelsey as his own tier. So, um, yeah, I just I, I think Fant has been impressive. He's a good football player, and uh, he's he's a guy that you should be paying attention to for next season because I feel like a lot of people are just going to be like, oh, yeah, Noah Fant was fine last year, and rank him seven or eight again and not take him until the ninth round. And I think you can get a really solid mid-tier tight end one pretty late in the draft just because you paid a little bit more attention game to game. Uh, that's This is great because I honestly have just been looking over Noah Fant all year long. Like, I haven't thought about him. So I'm glad you took the time to, I guess, set me aside and say, Jeff, pay attention to Noah Fant. Um, <laughs> who is your sneaky start for this week at tight end? Uh, I'm going to go with Tommy Sweeney. I have him as my my uh, 1% uh, rostered guy in the tight Let's end. Go. Uh, yeah, Mr. Tommy Sweeney is uh, what? Yeah, not only does he have a cool sports name, but he's playing a really bad Miami defense who can't cover tight ends to save its life. Um, he's not as good as Dawson Knox. No one's saying that he is, um, but he caught a touchdown after Knox left the game a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's going to work as the number one tight end. You expect him to get at least three or four targets, and against this bad of a defense with this good of a quarterback. Um, he's definitely a guy who could get in the end zone. So while the ceil- or while the floor is not high, the ceiling is much higher than a lot of your, you know, than like Cole Combat, Pat Fryer, Muth, Gerald Everett. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you're in like a tight end premium league or a deep league where you gotta find a bye week replacement, uh, yeah, Tommy Sweeney definitely a sneaky guy right now. Yeah, and he has a hundred percent catch rate on the year. <laughs> it was he had like five targets. Four targets. Woo! He has four catch. Yeah. Here, here's here's the stat line for the year, and then we'll get out of here. Four targets, four catches, four yards, and a touchdown. Oh uh, yeah, I will. I will say, bold <laughs> prediction is that Tommy Sweeney gets at least as many targets in this game as he has all season, and he definitely will finish with more. He will at least double his yardage total. He will have more than five, more than four receiving yards in this game. All right, there you uh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, uh, Tommy Sweeney will double at least his receiving yards on the year. So, uh, Walker, thank you for taking the time to go over your ranks for everybody. Uh, you can find the full ranks again on footballabsurdity.com. Uh, we will be back um, on Friday on the Twitch stream and in the podcast feed to talk about uh, the rest of week eight. Twitch is twitch.tv slash footballabsurdity. Uh, podcast is wherever you find podcasts under football absurdity. So for Walker, this is Jeff. Uh, thanks for listening and have a good one. All right.